So, uh, quick question for you guys before we start. Have any of you been in a fight? Yes. Yes. Have any of you been in a fight at Disney? I've witnessed plenty of fights at Disney. Like a physical altercation or uh, it was It was verbal. It was verbal. It was uh, people were upset about the, the margaritas at, uh, at Epcot. Okay. You know? I, uh, I worked at Disney and I'm trying to think if I had ever seen a physical altercation when I was working at the Primetime Cafe at what was then the MGM Studios. R.I.P. the goat. R.I.P. the goat. Um, I don't think I've seen one. I have a great story about a server getting arrested while serving a meal, though, in the middle of the meal because she was fraudulently doing credit card tips. So they took her out in handcuffs in the middle of like she's putting plates in front of people and OPD comes over and like cuffs her and put, takes her on the back and walks her out. Oh, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, so I went to Disney on Monday with my wife and our former podcast sponsor. Okay. Uh, RP Electrical Solutions. Uh, and his wife, <clears throat> their two kids, and my daughter. So we're all at Hollywood Studios, and we're waiting in line for Toy Story Mania. And our kids, um, they they love to hang out together. They're they're a lot of fun to be around. And they were being kids waiting in line at Toy Story Mania. They were actually behaving really really well. Well, unfortunately, they were being just a bit too loud for the seventy year olds in front of us in line for Toy Story Mania at Hollywood Studios at Disney world. And they turned around and said, your kids are not behaving very well. And the podcast sponsor's wife lost it. Oh, <laughs> she, she's about that life. <laughs> All right. There's no, like I, I've, I've been in multiple altercations with her, like out at bars. So seeing it at Disney was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Um, a lot of uh, the podcast sponsor's wife was like, how dare you? They're kids. They're actually being really good. And then she egged the kids on. I was like, be louder, be louder. And the, the, the husband of uh, the seven year old woman turns around and tells the podcast sponsor's wife to, why don't you just go ahead and shut up? Podcast sponsor loses it. It's like, don't you ever talk to my wife like that ever again? Are we going to have a problem here? We all, I swear to God, I was like, I wanted it to happen, but also I did not want to get banned for life. Oh, you're just from an Disney. Old, you just, just play peacemaker, jump in the middle. <clears throat> That's what my wife did, but I really wanted to see a fight go down and like, they, they like, cause then you got to pull this camera footage and see it. Like somebody's going to leak the camera yeah. footage. Then ah, it's going to be great. Oh like my God. Man, it was like, <laughs> this was in line, right? This was in so line. Like, like we, I could see the ride. Like we were almost in line and these old people were like, <sighs> and they're like closing their ears and like turning around, giving our kids dirty looks. And then when they said, when the guy told the wife to, why don't you just shut up? That's when shit started popping off. So you know that I, not a big fan of kids generally. I think that's pretty fair. Yes. Okay. Um, at Disney World, I'm on their turf, so I gotta sh like I just gotta eat it. Like if I'm in line at Epcot, all right, and I'm doing drinking around the world or whatever, and there's some screaming kid behind me. You know what? I can't say a word. That kid's on vacation. It's their I'm on their turf, so I got to eat it. If you're doing it at like CVS or the mall or something, I can be like, all right, come on, seriously. But at Disney World, 
uh, kids, people with no kids have no right to complain about anything so, at all. So you were almost in like the worst world star video of Dude, it w- <laughs> and like white star. It would have been oh man, it would have just been like one, two like one of the kids jumps in and says. <laughs> Oh, it would have been it would have been like two almost thirty year olds beating up a couple seventy year olds for disrespecting our wives. And uh I mean, you know, you gotta do what you gotta wow. do sometimes. But the people behind us are like, All right, so what happens so when the cops come we can tell them what happened for you guys? And we're like, Bet, got you. <laughs> That's well amazing. That was long and winded and long winded, but so fellas, was, we're here. So was Friday night. Welcome to the Bluminati Podcast, presented by Matrix Hormones. Uh, 813-333-2226. Again, that's 813-333-2226. Three field goals, three safeties, one touchdown, no extra point. Uh, Matrix Hormones is definitely the place to go to find out... um, Male, We're looking for male optimization. Are you tired? Are you run down? Are you in your forties. Uh, can you just not keep up like with the kids like you used to be able to, are things not working out in the bedroom as you thought they might at some point? Uh, are, do you feel like USF's offense on Friday night against Wisconsin? Um, matrix hormones can come in. They will do your blood work. They will give you, put you on a program, um, of either medication or other things, testosterone replacement, whatever it is to help you feel better, uh, and get out of your funk. Um, Eddie Leonard, who is our sponsor, um, is also the, uh, president of matrix hormones and, um, a great guy and a USF supporter. These are, this is a great business that also supports the bulls, not just here through this podcast, but also through the bulls club and various other entities in the Tampa Bay area. I can't say enough about them. We got the right people and, uh, we're definitely hitting the target demographic of middle-aged people that just watch way too much football and aren't feeling like they used to. So, um, again, matrix hormones, can't recommend them enough. Um, it's discreet. It's, it's less expensive than you think. Uh, and you can get back and write the way that you were again. That's eight, one, three, 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 two, 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 six, eight, one, three, 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 three field goals for skip Holtz, two, 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 D, two, three safeties for, uh, Wally Burnham's old defense. RIP Wally. We love you. Uh, and six. Is he dead? What? Is he dead? No, Wally's not dead. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just missed Wally. We just missed Wally B around here. Um, uh, three, 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 two, 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 six. Um, and, uh, they will get you guys right. But again, that's, uh, matrix hormones. Eight, one, three, 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 two, 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 six. Well guys, uh, we're back. We are, you know, we are. We've scored as many points this season as USF football has. That's true. Oh, oh my God. Get in. And, uh, man. Okay. Can I, I'm going to say something. I'm going to clear out because Seth's here, although he hasn't said anything in the podcast. Have you said anything yet? I have a little world star. Yeah. Yeah. A little world So I'm going to say this and then I'm going to ask Seth questions in a bit, but I have, if this is this team, I've never been as wrong about anything at the University of South Florida ever. Um, For them to come out and lay the egg like they did, we thought the offensive line was going to be a challenge. And yes, Wisconsin is the nightmare matchup. I get that. But it's a matter of degree and scale. And to just get overwhelmed and dominated and really kind of lay down a little bit, let's be honest, um, and not give the full fight that we thought. Drop passes are a problem. Everything went wrong. It was the wheel of... You know, you hit the roulette wheel and sometimes it lands on that number. It landed on that number. Like everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. I get that. But 49 nothing for a team that had an entire offseason to prepare, 
put in an offense that really hadn't been seen before at this level. I mean, they, I'm sure they watched a ton of tape on Valdosta last year, but Blake's a different kind of kid. You don't know exactly how they're going to attack since the offense is pretty multiple. You can only, you know, garner so much as you can. And yeah, losing Johnny Ford is huge. 49, nothing's not acceptable. This ain't good enough. And I, I'm not as worried about the defense, honestly, because they're on the field a lot. <laughs> And it's tough when you're facing multiple possessions like that to stay out on the field, especially against a possible Heisman candidate running back and an offensive line that can definitely get him a Heisman trophy. But I, I, if this is this team, I've never been more wrong about anything USF ever. And I've known this a long time. Um, we'll see. I don't think they're this bad. I, are they this bad? No. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I I can't imagine that they're look. It was twenty eight nothing halftime, and then the spread was four. They were USF was catching four in the second half. They all had to cover. They could have lost by thirty one and covered. And I'm like, give me some of that. They're gonna get this thing turned around in the second half. They're gonna put together a scheme. They're gonna run more screens. They'll, they'll zone block a little bit more. They'll find a way to get somebody open off the edge. Wisconsin will put in the backups. That's not true. I, I I just I don't even know what to think. Um, I mean, I knew this game was over midway through the second quarter when I believe it was 21 nothing. Uh, the wife and kid were at the game, and I told them, you guys can go home if you want. The USF has no shot. Was it the punt before they came down and drove on the last drive to score right before the end of the half? Oh, I don't I don't know. what They, they just scored. It was 21 nothing. Probably the pick. I think it might have been the pick, the okay. one that Blake forced. Yeah. Um, it looked like... Uh, I know, Kerwin, you could hear him on the rest of mic yelling for interference. The guy was all up his back. But it's one of those tip ball things, and it was right after – I think it was pretty quick after the defense may have just got a stop. They were coming – they got the ball back. I think it might have been right after the fumble, actually. Yeah, I think, I think it was. And then uh, you know, I think it might have been two plays and out or three and out with a interception. So you turn around and give the great field position right back. I think that maybe that's kind of the point of the game it was. So we're looking at, I mean, by the numbers here, um, 22 first downs to nine, uh, rushing 234 to 26, uh, passing 201 to 131. I mean, that's 157 yards of total offense. That, <laughs> okay, here you're playing. Yards per play, which is kind of the metric that we really like to use around here because I think it's the most efficient way to measure an offense. Uh, Wisconsin 6.3, USF 2.8. And that's that's a generous two point eight, um, you know, because the last drive, yeah, that's mop up duty because the last drive, sure. Um, and again, if you're looking at S and P, it's twenty eight point, it's over twenty eight points in the fourth quarter. None of that's going to count in S and P, which is why your S and P falls to ninety nine um, from I think it was seventy six, seventy six. Okay, yeah. so they fall twenty three spots. And now, and remember, S and P still factoring in some of last season for I think another five weeks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah they've, so, they've got some major uh, preseason rankings. Um, I did look. USF is ahead of one power five school and SP SP plus so it's just now by no ESPN, Bill Collin Connolly. Is that Kansas? It is Kansas. Ah, is good Kansas. job, me. Look at that. Um, I, uh, <sighs> they're grouped right be, they're right behind Navy and right ahead of Tulsa. I believe yep. before, uh, before kind of this week's game, I think I have a way to contextualize the first game for you that may kind of help. Um, you feel a little bit better about it. Who do you think is the best coach in college football? Nick Saban or probably Nick Saban. So say Nick Saban. Yeah. 
What was the score of the national championship game last year? When he had, oh, crap, that's right. It was 44 16, right? Yeah. And this is not Nick Saban going against a team with inferior talent. He probably had uh, better talent than Clemson, right? But it was one of those games they turned the ball over, they messed up on a fake field goal. Clemson converted a bunch of third and longs. It's just one of these games that happens like that, and they lose by 30, Steve, 30 points. Steve Sarkeesian was involved too, right? Yep, Trump, Steve, there. yeah. He yeah, was okay. Yep. So, yeah, Steve Sarkeesian involved. So that's like two touchdowns right there. What do you think, Clemson's 30 <laughs> points better than Alabama? No, not at all. That's, I mean, no. that's Is Wisconsin 49 points better than USF? I don't think so. And I think uh, Coach Strong said on Monday he doesn't think so either. But sometimes those games happen, and it even happens to Nick Saban, who – you just said is probably the best coach in college football. So, I, I mean, there's now if it continues this week, I think you can be concerned. But sometimes it sounds like an excuse, but sometimes games just get downhill on you and there's nothing you can do about it and it's over. But my problem with that is, is that and I, I agree with all of that. My problem is, is that I didn't see a lot of fight. You know, I disagree. I, you, I think you the disagree. Def- the okay. defense played really hard. No, defense, I'll give you a hundred percent. There's not much fight. Yeah. There's not much you can do if like some of the fights we were looking for were like, Mike Tyson going against a guy with one arm. <laughs> like, I mean, how much fight can that guy show? He I showed mean, as much as he can. It's still not going to matter. I think, Colin, you and I talked about it bef- before everyone else got here that, I mean, God God bless Billy Atterbury. I mean, really. I mean, he that was the toughest matchup for him possible was, was that defensive end he had to go up against for you know, two and a half, three quarters until they pulled him. Yep. Uh, I, I made mean, this compar- uh, comparison. Billy Atterbury looked like Marcus Norman versus Temple in 2016. Except instead of just for the fourth quarter, it was for the entire game. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Marcus Norman turned out to be a pretty good right tackle, but... But Marcus Norman whoa. was a freshman at that point. I was... Yeah, 16, right? 16 freshman. I think he was a retro oh, freshman. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, he was, yeah, oh, he he was, was a freshman. freshman. <coughs> so, so not a senior. Yeah, um, you not know, a senior. Billy uh, Atterbury. I did ask Billy after the game because he hadn't played left tackle into, uh, since his senior year of high school. And I told him, you know, with all the reps... With all, you know, fall and spring practice is a different in a live game situation. He said, no, um, I think I can still be a very good left tackle uh, here. I just today was not one of those days and it was unacceptable. I we did a huge post on uh, the site earlier this uh, earlier in August. The five biggest questions heading into the season. And the first question was. Who, who was the the key part of the offense heading into 2019? I said uh, the conventional wisdom says Blake Barnett, but it's the offensive line because they were very bad last year and through one game this year against a very very good defensive line, they were not good. They weren't good at literally anything on Friday night. Um, so we're gonna see if they're able to push around a smaller team against Georgia Tech. Uh, that Georgia Tech team that gave up over 600 yards uh, against again Clemson, but there's still there's still yards to be had. But man, that was rough to watch. Oh yeah, no, there was there's no doubt about the the fact that we just I mean we got manhandled by probably the worst team we could have gone up against on week one with a brand new offense. It's a tough matchup with those big physical dudes. I mean, there's not much you can do, especially when you're still trying. There's a few times you can see they're still trying to kind of figure out, especially up front, okay, is this the right call to make? And there's st- it's stuff you can't really see until you get in a game. Mm-hmm. 
you know, am I making the right call? Do I need to just go right to the second level or do I need to stay with my, you know, center here and double team before I climb? And against a really good team like Wisconsin that can manhandle you one-on-one, that makes it really, really tough. I just, you know, obviously there was a quite a bit of overreaction in the USF community. What? What? <laughs> in, a, in a college football community? Doesn't I mean, seem right. You can, I heard, I saw one USF fan switched and he said he's now a Hawaii fan. Just changed it. Just sold out on Twitter after like 60 minutes of football. What a jerk. Terrible. But I, I mean, I, again, it's week one. We, we played up against probably the worst team we possibly could have played. I I would have much rather have played Clemson week one than, than to have played Wisconsin. You know, I, I feel like easy killer. I I feel, I feel like when you lose to the reigning national champion, you get a Clemson state that you're talking about, or I mean, I mean, realistically, if like, we're going to lose 49, nothing, I'd rather us lose to the reigning national champion with a, and I mean, Wisconsin could be one of the final four standings. Yeah, they're, they're very there. If they're really good, if, if Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan and Ohio State beat each other up, and then they have to go in the next week and play a championship game, Wisconsin could totally get through and end up in the playoffs. And, and with that's the way doable. that Michigan played, you know, that's a very real possibility that could happen. You know, sure. they, they can anything can happen in college football. But right. man, I mean, throw this game away. Like, watch the film. Throw the throw the film away. I, I I don't know if you can chuck the film. I think you gotta look. What's the old adage? You make the most improvement between week one and week two. Sure, you're gonna get a lot easier ride this week. There's not a lot of talent on Georgia Tech, and they're putting in a whole new system that they don't have the personnel for right now. Um, I would rather play Georgia Tech now than I would next year or the year after. The year after, that's for sure. But um, I watched a little bit of that Clemson game. Um, there's. You know, it's so hard to even give a gauge spread open five and a half. It's up to like, what did you say? Six and a half now? Yeah, it's six, six and, and a half. half. I don't know how they can predict this. I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put a dime on this. Like not anything like there, this spread could be 10. It could be pick them. And I would have the exact same opinion, which is I have no idea what's going to happen on Saturday. No clue. Um, 65 and a half is a lot of points for these two teams. <laughs> With the way those defenses played, <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I just I have no feel whatsoever. I don't know what's real. Sample size really matters here. You know, sometimes you, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel. Like, I, but if this is what they are, it's I've never been more wrong about anything USF related in my life. Um, but I I can't imagine that they're this bad. I just don't. I don't think that they are, but I have zero evidence to prove to back that up right now besides gut feel and like what I've heard in the off season. Yeah. I mean, a lot of teams played pretty poorly in week one relative to expectations. That is something that happened. Now, some teams are so talented. It doesn't matter. Like Clemson, Clemson really did not play very well. I think uh, there's a stat that like half their yards on offense came on nine plays. They just, came, they're so explosive. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, but you know, college football has been around for 150 years, but nobody's played each other week one for like 147 of them for a reason. Like these are just big money games now, week one for TV. But for a long time, you didn't see uh, top teams playing each other week one for a reason. Well, week Rutgers, one is tough. Rutgers won a big game 150 years ago in week one. That was a big moment for them in their that was, history. That was the biggest moment the in the program. Team? I think that was the biggest moment in their program history, actually. Yeah. was the yeah. They peaked early. <laughs> <laughs> The knickers were flying off that game. <laughs> so, Seth, um, you kind of went into the first two drives uh, of what just 
really was a microcosm of the entire night. Um, if you guys haven't checked that out, please do. It's uh, pretty good. I don't want to give it all away, but uh, what if there's like two things, three things that you can take away from, all right, this is going to have to be fixed. What was the, the key problem uh, for the offense through I, the first two drives? I think one of them was the opponent. Because there's times where there's quite a few times where schematically before the play, and if you pause it after kind of seeing what the scheme was, if you pause it right at the play and you look at how Wisconsin was aligned and things like that, you'd have you'd think you'd have a good play because you'd have right you blocking you have a hat on a hat, so you have a guy on a guy. Um, but they lost they lost a few quite a few one on one matchups up front. So part of it's going to be opponent, but part of it is you know. They got to win. They got to start winning some of those one-on-one matchups. I know Coach Bell said today that not having Johnny Ford kind of hurt them in that and that kind of receiver. He was the guy that could win one-on-one matchups. They didn't have him, so you know they missed opportunities early. And football is not really a game that um, you know. I've seen some people say, okay, so best case scenario, they hit. So those two drops in the first two drives. Best case scenario, they hit those two, the guy breaks a tackle, and they score. Well, we're still going to lose by 35 or whatever. Not necessarily because you're not down by 14 points. You're, you're actually going to be up going into the second mm-hmm. quarter, and the game's totally different. So they got to, when they have the opportunities, they got to make the plays, especially against a good team. You're not going to get a lot of opportunities. They were able to generate some, and they didn't make the play. So if you generate those kind of opportunities this week, you got to make the plays. I mean, that's obvious, right? But I think there was some communication, some first game stuff um, in running the ball. They looked like the line was a little bit out of sync. And that's a lot of times it's if you're running zone, it sounds simple. OK, everybody just take a step. If we're running outside zone to the right, everybody's taking a step to the right and get your man. Well, there's, you know, even when I was coaching in college at a D2 level, there's we had like, you know, five or ten different calls based on how they were lined up. Is he on my backside shade? Is he head up on me? Is he on my outside shade? I can make a call to the guy behind me. I got to make a call to the guy next to me. Uh, now they walk up a safety right before the snap. Now what do I do? I got to make that. I got to call that off. So it's really complicated. And I think that's more of a game one thing, hopefully. So if they can kind of get those kind of things fixed. And that comes with more game reps, more practice, kind of being able to see where you're deficient. And then um, the pass protection stuff, obviously, has got to get fixed. There's times, a few times where they got beat off the edge. But Wisconsin plays their ends pretty wide and they just play speed guys. I think both of those ends are probably NFL guys and then you give them ability like okay they're not going to run the ball so let's just let's just roll let's just tee off on the passer that's where you can kind of get in a situation where it's just like a snowball rolling downhill there's nothing mm-hmm. you can do about it I mean to your point uh, Atterbury seemed to have a lot of trouble with like the wide nine tech and kind of getting beat to a spot almost every single time yeah, if you can't punish that guy by running the ball at him or running that ball in that kind of vacant spot and he can just stay out there and just speed rush every time. That, that's there's, there's not much you can do about it, especially if you're not maybe the most if you're not like an NFL level tackle where I can just pass that out there like because I'm a freak of nature. So it kind of all boils in together. And I thought another thing, just not even offensively, and I kind of write about it in uh, my piece on Georgia Tech coming up this week, is field position is a lot more crucial than um, I think. A lot of coaches even give it kind of uh, credence. Um, Bill Connolly, we were talking about him earlier with the S&P or SP Plus now. He did a study when you are 
kind of what's the margin in average starting field position? So what's the what's the difference in the game? So in this game, I think USF's was about the twenty-two or twenty their own twenty-two or twenty-three yard line. Wisconsin was at the forty-two. So in the study he did, when there was a twenty percent margin or a twenty-yard margin, the team with the better field position won ninety-seven percent of the time by an average of thirty-two points. Even if you win by six yards in field position, you're winning like 78% of the time by 15 points. So that's another thing that I thought they could do a better job of. We had times where they didn't come up and field a punt. I think it might've been the first punt of the first Wisconsin punt of the game. I think it hit at the 28 and rolled to the 10. So there's 18 yards right there. That's like an explosive play right off the bat. You just gave up. So stuff like that, I think is really going to be important, especially this week because Georgia Tech's kind of have to be on a kind of a similar uh, formula to win. So as we, start to get into next week. Um, I think it's fair to say uh, Blake certainly didn't play his best game. Um, certainly makes sense. You know, he didn't have a lot of time, you know, new system, new everything. His fifth offensive coordinator, who will leave in five years. Oh, they have to count who replaced Kiffin in that one game. If you're counting, there's like some way. No, you, wasn't it Sark? Cause he was, it was, he was Sark, yeah. Staff. And then he, yeah. Came, he left and came back. Right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So it was Sark. Um, just I we're talking about what needs to change. Let's make a horrible assumption here. That's completely unfair to the kids. Um, USF's O-line is playing better, but not terrifically. Barnett struggles, doesn't really make play, hits a couple checkdowns, hands the ball off successfully, doesn't really turn it over. But USF goes like punt, punt, you know, turnover on downs, uh, fumble, you know, fumble from a running back. At some point, do you pull the trigger and go to a, a quarterback that may be a little more mobile and may be able to help himself out against a line that's struggling because he's more mobile? And do you make a move to McLeod at any point? I, I don't know. It's hard to say without kind of seeing what's happening in the game. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you, like, for instance, if you look at his numbers from the other night, it doesn't look very good, but... We, we all watched it, and if those two guys catch those balls, now all of a sudden he's thrown for 100 yards in the first quarter, and that's not that's pretty good. So it's, it's kind of hard fair. to say. Um, the th- and those throws were definitely there. Yes. Like, and right that, f- that first throw was the was best pass yeah, of was, his of the night, and yes. it just goes through, I think it's Jannard Phillips. It just yeah. goes right through his hands. That and was then, the thing. He, with time to throw, Barnett can make those throws. Johnny Ford makes that play too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's uh, well, we'll get into that uh, <laughs> and, here and shortly. He may, and he may break that tackle and yeah, and take it. it. Like, yeah, you know, for sure. That, I, it's hard to say. Obviously, when you have a guy that's more mobile, it um, it can help up front. But also, sometimes it depends. Sometimes those guys can hurt it because they don't. If they're not going to sit in the pocket and just step up and slide into the open areas. He can if you just want to get out and run. Sometimes you can run yourself into sex too. So I don't know if that's sure. maybe the answer. It would depend on how the game was going, obviously. But Blake's also shown himself to be enough of a runner. You know, you'll still get your advantages in the run game, numbers wise, if you want it. Like I think they may have to run him more just to do that. So I think with him, you can get some of the advantages of a running quarterback schematically because he's shown the propensity in the past to pull the ball. And he's a pretty good athlete. Um, I talked with Coach Bell way at the beginning of camp, and he was like, he said, this dude's a really good athlete. Um, probably the most talented guy he's ever had at quarterback. So 
I mean, he's been coaching at Jacksonville and Valdosta State. He damn well better be. <laughs> he coached the Gatorade National Player of the Year. Oh, that's true, too. Yeah. It, I mean, so that's a good point. Yeah, he's been around a bit. So I forget about those old guys. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he said he's he's super talented. And so with his, with his ability to run, you can kind of get the stuff you want schematically, hopefully, with the, you know, even out the numbers in the box. And you don't have to lose his strength as a passer. Now, obviously, if he goes out and it's terrible – then yeah, then maybe that's something you want to do because that can be something that um, I don't know how it was in the past here, but sometimes you get those offensive versus defensive kind of wars when they're just sniping at each other, and then your team really gets. It's never happened to USF. Yeah. <laughs> never happened. Never seen a not, de- not last year. Two thousand sixteen <laughs> team never ha- who had the fourth best offense by S and P in the country and a defense in the one twenties like. Never seen that happen before here. That what? Was, yeah, so it's got to get, if it gets bad, then I think you can make a switch, but I don't think it'll get to that level. I think Blake's pretty good. Um, Coach Bell, I think, thinks he's pretty talented, and um, we'll kind of see how they play this week. I, don't, I think they're in for a tougher opponent than people think, but sure. Um, Blake's numbers. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's never, you can never really count it out, but I wouldn't say that'd be the number one fix or anything like that. Blake's numbers, 13 to 30, uh, 109, no touchdowns, two picks. McLeod, and again, sent one sample size, two, who's on the field mm-hmm. for Wisconsin. So with a very, very large grain of iodized salt, um, uh, three of three, 22 yards. Um, and he also rushed for, I think, 24 as well on three, yeah, three carries, 20, uh, yeah, net 17. So three carries for 17, um, plus, plus 23 and minus six. Uh, and then they shank the field goal because why not? Because um, nothing else is going right. Because nothing else is going right. <laughs> total rushing. And again, you're playing against total beef, but uh, 23 carries, 57 yards. Uh, or so, excuse me, 23 carries, 26 yards, uh, 57 gained, 30, 31 uh, yards lost. That includes sacks. Correct. Um, so total tackles for loss, I got to pull that up, but it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, loss for Wisconsin was, uh, five, I believe. Yeah. Uh, five total 30, five, ta- yeah, five tackles for loss, four sacks. And then, uh, to Seth's point, the USF defense for uh, giving up 42 points, they had 11 tackles for loss and were able to create some havoc in the backfield, uh, especially early on, which kind of gives credence to, uh, this team's probably still going to fight, even though they may not be perfect. Uh, they had three sacks. Patrick Macon uh, making 15 his tackles. 15 tackles. Um, I mean, he, four tackles for loss of sack, forced fumble. He was he was everywhere. Yeah. He Gets was, good. I mean, because we were we were talking about it, worried with, you know, how is he going to step up with uh, without Nico? I mean, he filled the role. Prob- I mean, Nico probably gets the exact same stat line. Forced to fumble? Forced to fumble. KJ it's picked exactly. that up. Um, so let's see how many newcomers registered a tackle for USF. We got Macon. Stud still? Uh, yep. Uh, where are we at? Brian Norris, converted linebacker, running back. Um, so that's two. Darius Slade. Uh, KJ Sales. KJ Sales. They did not want to throw to KJ. Morgan. Ooh, uh, would you? Uh, not Morgan. Burnett, what's his name? A, or MacArthur, MacArthur Burnett. Oh my God, wow. Morgan <laughs> Burnett. Isn't he a former Georgia Tech player? It wasn't he the former? No, he was a UCF DB in like the mid 2000s. Imagine one of those like skinny white tall receivers. <laughs> yeah. like, like, I think he wore number nine. We need a Bruce Miller. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Burnett, uh, Bellamy, Tyreek Ty- Jones. Uh, 
I don't think Greer played last year, so count them. Correct. Ryan Daxton, Brock Nichols, um, Jason Vaughn, Tyreek Jones, um, and that's it. I mean, there's what, like 10, 11 guys have got made their debut and registered a tackle for USF's defense. Um, I think you'll see kind of the same spread out. They, they like to rotate their guys in and keep their defensive line fresh, especially against Wisconsin. Uh, they'll need that and they'll need it against Georgia Tech. We'll see. That's a weird thing about Georgia Tech. I think we kind of glossed over was uh, I think they they pushed Kirk Livingstone or Livingston to uh, defense tackle for the death chart this week. Um, I think Darius Slade um, as the only, I mean, if you want to call it a weak side defensive end, I think he's the only weak side defensive end listed on the death chart this week. Um, I, I mean, I was, I mean, take depth charts, what they are, you know, they, they mean absolutely nothing when it comes to, you know, how, what happens in the game and everything like that. But it, it was a little, that was, that, that jumped out to me that they're, that they might try to put Kirk on the inside. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I know there are some stat issues at USF. What? What? Because apparently they played Elon in the game notes. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Johnson had a fantastic that's, game, by the that's way. That's not a stat. Actually, that's not a stats issue. That's a, um, uh, what's the name of the program that they use? It's not uh, so, Photoshop. It's um, InDesign. When you use InDesign to do game notes, sometimes you just forget to delete out your, your find and replace gets caught up. I've been there, so I'm going to forgive them for that one because I've made the same mistake in game notes in my life so uh yeah so yeah, sorry that's, that's, that's still game one yeah uh typically they they just use the yeah i mean depth chart that's that let's see um so they're wow all right yeah so defensive tackle um kirk livingstone ahead of rashawn yates and kevin kegler kevin kegler is now third but wow. again i mean depth chart is is rough estimates of what they're trying to do in practice and you can tell uh, Brian Jean Marie is is trying something different on the defensive line. I think that has credit to do to what Georgia Tech is, you know, throwing on yeah. film right now. Um, yeah. So Colin, I think, asked last week, "What game will Stanley Clairvaux get uh, off the starting line?" <laughs> uh, uh, we uh, said game, game one. It was game. You said game four. It was actually uh, game two. Game two. Game two. He uh, Jannard Phillips is now a uh, starter. Uh, Mitch tight end, um, no changes on the offensive line. None. No, nope. they're gonna. They're not gonna announce this anyway. Though. Um, if we're gonna see a change, they'll just. They're just gonna roll it out there. Players' name spelled wrong. Johnny Ford starting in the slot. Randall St. Felix, and then freshman Xavier Weaver, who was pretty pretty impressive early on um, last week, uh, is behind uh, St. Felix, and then defensively. Um, Reeves, Livingstone, Pinckney, Slade, uh, Patrick Macon at Mike. Sautel listed as an or. Not a chance. Not a chance. Uh, it looks like a mistake from last week. They still have him down there. Like it's, it's or after his name. Yeah. It's like they just moved him down. Yeah. yeah. Well, standard. The before. Um, Gamesmanship, I guess. Bowles and Greer at the other two. Um, Hampton and Sales on Island. Studstill and Davis as the safeties. Um, Was Studstill listed as a starter last week? I don't think so. I don't think so. I say that is a change, isn't it? Uh, I think it was Nick Roberts. Let's see if the starting safety. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Nick Roberts starting strong safety. Yeah, KJ so. Sales listed as the punt returner. I think they had Bentley listed last week. I think um, Bentley returned the punts last that. week. Yeah, K- I know KJ returned some earlier because he's the one yeah. who let it. Yep. So KJ let listed it bounce. As, okay. Yeah, KJ's Sorry. listed as the punt returner. So that is. But again, we are dealing with a, a chart from USF. So. 
wait till we get the travel chart and it's got players on it who aren't even like in the state of Georgia. Not that that's ever happened before. No, state of New York. They, they travel. Well, state of New York. They, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, that was great. Fruit sector. Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> really weird name that I don't think any of us talked about in the offseason at all. Uh, Kevin Prulette. I think is his name. He's a walk on. He's a walk on from Florida Tech. Played so at the same I high school as Terrence Horn. Wait, Who the hell is that? I, was, I, I saw his name pop up. And Part, he's a converted tight end. Is he eighty one? Yeah, yeah, he's eighty one. I think he got it in the game. I was like, who's that? <laughs> no, because they they called Terrence Horn when he made his catch. They called it was Terrence Horn. So I was like, oh, Terrence Horn made a play. He, Kevin Burlett had the the longest reception of the night. That's right, baby. Shout out walk ons, baby. The what's that? What's that? Uh, walk on award, Burleson award, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. or something. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean transfers played really well for for USF uh, at least on defense. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out Kevin Burlett getting longest reception <laughs> of the game. Look at all these impact tra- transfers that we get. Hey, yeah. speaking of uh, transfers, have we heard anything about Latrell, oh, Latrell Williams? Latrell yet. Williams. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Doubt we will. Um, It'll we'll be like see. week eight, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, Latrell Williams is ineligible. And we're like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Terrific. Sit him out the year anyway. They'll probably say, oh, no, he's eligible, but you just wasted half of his year. <laughs> he can yeah. now, he can now redshirt. <laughs> Terrific Thank job. Um, so Jamie uh, wrote his uh, <laughs> come to Jesus piece to, to USF football. Um, maybe one of the funniest uh, leads I've ever read in my entire life. Uh, when he sent that to me, uh, this was, I think midway through the fourth quarter, he, he wrote up the lead to his story. I nearly spit my drink all over my laptop inside the press box. You it were giggling hilarious. for five. Minutes. It was, so, it was really funny. And, uh, I think someone in the Facebook comments said, uh, Angry and pissed off Jamie is my favorite Jamie and brother. Let me tell you, it's nothing could be. Uh, First of all, if angry and truer. pissed off Jamie is your favorite Jamie, uh, we have a Slack channel because <laughs> Jamie kind of lives in a state of anger. Uh, Jamie and I have been friends for God, almost 15, I guess like 15 years now, give or take maybe more 20. Um, and I don't think anyone encapsulates the ennui of Bulls fandom. That is an SAT word if I've ever heard one. Holy yeah. Shit. He is You're um, not allowed to give you to now with that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you're not you're you're not getting in if you want to play athletics, brother. Uh yeah. I um I'm just I'm stunned that uh um how well that he continues to understand. And I think it's the reason that this blog has worked, at least for when I was running before Nate got here is that I always had somebody who had the pulse of our fan base completely understood because he was a thousand miles away from it and could, you know, I'm sitting on top of it every day and sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. And the best part about having Jamie is that he has the historical knowledge of the program and he understands what we've been through and how we got here as well as anybody but he's also far enough away from it day to day where he can come in and get be like, all right, what the fuck? And that was basically the, all right, what the fuck piece. And I think it's fair. How about a, a TDS Atlanta party host, Ryan T Smith. Also the, the one skeptic of the slack before the game. Uh, being kind of vindicated. Yeah. I, look, man, he, he milked that. Really that he was right. He's always, that's the thing about Ryan is that he is, 
He's always devil's advocate. He's, oh, and he's always right. Yeah. Which oh. is the worst part. Yeah, because he's, he's, he's I love always right. Um, My favorite part about Jamie's piece, though, real quick, was the uh, the UCF fans like replied to it and commented to it and everything. They were like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you guys, okay guys, that was, like, was like, oh, my God. Guys, that was <laughs> a little <laughs> harsh. <laughs> like, we, no, I mean, dude. we'll shit on you guys, but like, are you guys okay over there? <laughs> yeah, we had Knights fans doing that, too. Um, uh, did, didn't you say you had to pull it down from being an 11 to being to? Oh, the, yeah. There, yeah. Was some, I, there was some editing that had to be done before I... <laughs> Before I agreed to post that, he sent it to me and I was like, I'm going to sleep on this one and I'll let you know. So if you sponsor the Balluminati podcast the rest of the season, maybe you'll get to see the uh, unredacted version. <laughs> hey, uh, we already have oh, a sponsor. Man, that- we have a sponsor. Matrix Hormones, 813-333-2226. So it's all true, by the way. Everything that uh, Jamie said. Yeah. I just got to say that now. It, it, it's just it, it's so it's such a frustrating time. Wait, hold on, guys. Uh uh, Colin, did you know we had a, a phone line? I have a phone at my house, Nate. Yeah, I, I, wow. I was aware. Well, I mean, this house is old as hell, so I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if you had a landline. But uh, there's a uh, first ever phone call uh, to the Illuminati podcast. Uh, Jamie from Dallas, you're on the line. How can we help you? Hey, guys. Uh, longtime listener, uh, first time caller here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I guess I'm just feeling a little down after the game on Friday. You know, I wasn't quite sure that USF could win the game, but I thought it would be, you know, more competitive. They'd show some fight and then Wisconsin wear them down. I wasn't really seeing 49 to nothing coming and it's got me feeling kind of down. You know, I'm it's, it's year after year of getting all big up for big games and they just let us down. You know, there's so many highlights that you go back and watch, but they're not even in HD. They're so old. And, you know, I just, Sometimes I just feel like just letting football go and just focusing on basketball. And I, I guess I just kind of need to know why or how I can put this behind me and still enjoy football. And I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. All right. Well, that, Jamie, that's a loaded question. I'll tell you what. Uh, I think we should go to uh, Steve, who is the the optimist in the group, I would say. And then we'll we'll go from happy to sad and figure out where we land. Why should Jamie care still? Why should any USF fan care still? Well, as a uh, as a as a USF fan, Elliot is kind of my persona as far as you know. I, I'm I'm I can be sad all the time with being a USF fan and being a Jags fan. I don't I don't have much to root for, but man, Slack can attest to this. I was talking mad shit. I always look forward to talking mad shit week to week, uh, year to year. You know, preseason, postseason, whatever. I'll I'll talk my shit one way or another. I could go two and fourteen with the Jags and two and ten with uh with good old USF and I'll I'll still be there uh you know backing them up. Uh, it's a, it's a little bit of the pride essence of it. For when they do finally have that breakthrough year, you can you can really uh, own up to it. It doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it, it warms my heart. Colin, I think I think you're probably the uh, the next one on the scale down. Um. Here's the thing, like I, I'm so I, I look at it from the outside and I'm so beaten down that like I can't even feel it's so weird. Like I was walking out of the stadium um, and I'm like, we just lost 49 nothing in the game that I thought we were going to win and that this was going to be the turned around and um, excited all offseason, really fired up. And I just sort of walked out. I was walking out of AJ and I just sort of like with a broken foot and uh, I just sort of shrugged and went. Okay, we'll get them next year. And I, I, 
the fact that I can't even be mad anymore. Like I was just sort of like, well, I've been down this road my entire adult life. Um, it hasn't changed. And I, I just, I guess I've lost the ability to feel, and I just hope that at some point it makes it all worth it. Like, you know, I was a Phillies fan. They finally eventually got over the hump. They won a world series. An Eagles fan my whole life eventually got over the hump. They won the Super Bowl. After the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I'm like, all right, I can't complain about sports anymore for the rest of my life. Like, good. I just hope that at some point before my heart gives out or my my broken foot or my, you know, bad back or whatever goes all the way to hell, that I get to see USF, like, compete um, in a for, a, like, a top 10 spot in a conference championship. That's it. That's all. I think the basketball team's closer than ever. You know, and I've seen and I saw the men's basketball team in 2012 do what I always just wanted to see, which is get to a tournament, win a game. They did that. I've seen Jose win a game in the tournament. I'd love to see them win a conference championship. I think that's closer than ever. But I, I can't even get mad anymore. I just can't. I, because if I did, I, I'd be so crazy at this point. Yeah. Seth? Oh, well, I'm not. Uh... I don't have the calluses from prior <laughs> seasons. You are a graduate of this university, though, I aren't am, you? Yes, I'm a graduate. But I got right into coaching and stopped watching. We had meetings on Saturday, so I haven't really been too invested in college football. Um, I think you're all overreacting, if I, if I could say that. I think it's it's, it's one, one game. game. It's it's you only get twelve of them, but it's just one. I think it's. I mean, I don't have the experience from the past seasons weighing me down on my mind or anything like that, but. You lost to a team that was much better than you. It's not. It's not that. It's how, and the, it's the how. Like if USF had lost, I think USF fans were fine with losing. It's, it's the fact that like, and it, again, it's not the calluses that are built up the way they are. And it's just like, especially for like Nate. Nate's younger than I am, so he he doesn't have the the steel reserve of hate and just irony that I have built My up. Beer. Steel reserve. <laughs> like, I, I just. This program has done this to us so many times. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's like a. It's, I don't. I'm not carrying any of that baggage. In right. Anyway. So I think it's just more, one game. You're in a vacuum, which is yeah, the best. Which is kind of what we need, and we yeah. kind of need that perspective. That's kind to, of important. To me, this is a way that get going into last week. It was in my mind. It's USF is going to play well, keep it tight, have a chance to win, or if everything goes wrong, like it did, they're going to get waxed. And everything went wrong. They did not play. It's one thing if they played really well and got beaten like that. They played terribly for the most part on offense and got crushed by a team that's really good, really well coached, more talented based on every metric you look at. So I think it may be a little overreaction, but again, I don't have all this baggage from the past that uh, I've watched my team come on national television with expectation and kind of choke it away a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, I and I have like 2007 and you know parts of 2006 and 2004 to like boost me because I've seen the good. I've just seen a like about 10 years of bad, as Jamie pointed out. Now it's just hard. I'm on a very weird comparison for me, at least because you guys always get to talk about the the 2007 and and you know football. and 2002 too. That's still yeah. my favorite team. The 2002 team is still my favorite. Team. 2007, the team that beat West Virginia and Tim. Yeah, that yeah. was the last game I'd been to before. Friday. So oh, I thought wow. it was going to bring good luck. <laughs> Great you job. Didn't. didn't work. You didn't <laughs> right? at all. Didn't yeah. You brought, you brought the it's opposite. Leave the headset. I don't. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think there was. I don't. I don't think I've ever felt that way against Wisconsin than the McNeese State game. Honestly, like it, I sat through the entire McNeese State game from kickoff to final whistle, 
And I it, I had the exact same reaction in the press box as I did fourth quarter of McNeese State. I was like, I was just laughing at it. I was like, wow, we just let their third string guy just run all against us. McNeese is the only one that hurt me. Like, I mean that. Like, yeah. of all of the, of uh, I mean, Voodoo 5 and... 2017. Uh, 2017 and, and being, I mean, you were standing with you. Um, like, 2017 hurt, Voodoo 5 hurt. But the one that, like, even after, when we were driving home, we are going, God, we just saw the best guy at the damn college football game of the year. Like, I still couldn't be that mad. But the one that still I'll never get over is McNeese because that w- it was completely inexcusable. Mm-hmm. That team was unprepared. They deserved to lose, and they quit. And that and, and was the nader of the program. It, that was that's the floor. As long as it never gets worse than that, I'll still be here. Yep. Um, Nate, there's I don't know, man. Late on us. So we don't have Connor. Here someone. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Lauren Pickell who tweeted, "What's your favorite uh, USF memory?" And I very much wanted to say from 1956 to 1997. <laughs> Uh, when we didn't have a football team, my soul never got crushed. <laughs> and that's just kind of how I feel now. Um, uh, Seth asked me, we were, it was midway through the third, third or fourth quarter. And he goes, all right, so what's, what's the plan now uh, for the rest of the game? And I said, Seth, we're going to get these jokes off. And that's, that's what we did. did. I mean, uh, we had a lot of fun in the press box. We, did. Uh, we had a lot of fun on Twitter when it, we knew it was going to get out of hand. And um, that's just kind of where I am. Like, I, I'm going to get these jokes off. If USF does this again against Georgia Tech or the rest of the season, I'm going to get these jokes off. And frankly, I, it's gotten to the point where I, I'm not as invested as I was. Like, the the. The peak of my investment was that 2017 season against Houston uh, because right after we lost, I was just so pissed off. I turned my phone off for 30 minutes. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. And then uh, that drive home after the UCF game in 2017, I was, I was distraught. Um, but we – that – And I – like the drive home was – like the calming force I needed. And then I like sounds cheesy. I think I said it on the podcast after I went home, kissed my now wife and saw my daughter. I was like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm, yeah. I don't care anymore. It, I, it, can, if, congratulations. You've broken me to the point where I, I don't care if you win or lose it now. And like, this is just comical. Um, so Jamie, to answer your question, make the jokes, brother, just deal with it. However you want. Um, but, I don't think it's ever going to change. This is just who you guys have. See, that's where I disagree. Like, this is just who we are. I I think it has been statistically, it's been bad luck. I think it's also, I mean, horrible administrative decisions and Doug Willard and, you know, I I mean, and Jim Levitt hitting a kid and Skip Holtz recruiting. And I can point to a hundred different things, but I don't think the, the natural assets of the university are still there. Whether the university leverages them to put together a winning program, I, that's still to be questioned. But the, the assets are still there. I think at some point someone leverages them. It may not be in my lifetime. I hope it is. But there's just too much here. You can win here. You can absolutely win here. You need more investment. You need more money. But you can win here. And I think we will. So, and, and look, I've had, you talk about the bad, I'm a little older than you. Like I had, I was at West Virginia in 06. I was at West Virginia in 07. Okay, I was at Notre Dame. I was at Auburn. Um, I did not go to FSU, but I, you know, remember it. I 
I've been there for some of the, the biggest life changing hair standing up on your arms type of moments. The problem is, is that those, the point, the reason those felt so good is because it was supposed to lead to, okay, you're going to be a sustainable top 20 program. You're going to play with the big boys. You're going to, you're in the big East. Now there's no excuses. You just need to ride this wave and mismanagement and stupidity are the reason we're not in a, a power conference anymore. Um, and that set us, I knew the day that we didn't get in, we got set back two decades. I'm just willing to wait out the two decades, I guess is the difference. Well, thanks uh, for your call, Jamie. I uh, hope you feel uh, more depressed now because I, <laughs> I know I do. Uh, <laughs> thank, thank God I'm young. <laughs> right. I might not make it. Steve's going to make it. I might not make it that far. Uh, so yeah, I appreciate you, uh, taking time to call us. Uh, you know, maybe we'll have some more, uh, special call-ins, uh, later on in the year. Who knows? With basketball season coming up, especially. Um, I'm going to do this. Let's, let's put a, some, I'm going to start the clock here for two minutes and we're not going to talk about this issue for more than two minutes. Cause I think it's way too soon, but it's something that I've been asked multiple times this week. And I think it would be slightly disingenuous not talk about it. Starting clock. Now the two minute rule is in. Two minute rule in effect. Um, people asking about the state of Charlie Strong's contract here, it basically is from what we understand. Charlie's contract was structured so that he was paid $1 million a year for the first two years of his five year deal. 500,000 of that was refunded back to the University of Texas as part of his separation agreement because they were basically paying more of his salary than USF was. So we had to kick back half of all new income. Fine. Years three, four, and five, um, his, his compensation was much raised to equivalent of what a coach of his ilk was going for in the open market, which is about $2.5 million a year, rough give or take. From what we understand, the overwhelming majority of that money is guaranteed. Um, not 100%, but maybe uh, 80, 90 uh, and maybe a hundred. Um, so that's the status of the contract. We all know that USF is trying to raise money for a football indoor practice facility, especially, um, that is the priority here. And it may come down to a situation where you can physically not afford both things. And then We're there we can't afford Correct. But, and, and there's going to be, you know, there's more, there are additional streams of revenue that Michael Kelly has opened up and we're taking in more donations than we were before. And there's never been more iron bulls than there are at this moment right now in the history of the program. And that is because the development staff has done an outstanding job, but whether that's enough to overcome. So that is just the status of where Charlie's deal is. I am, I don't think anyone here is thinking you fire Charlie after one game. That's preposterous. Um, but that's where the program is. It may, we may not have the money to let a coach go at the end of this season and as well get the practice facility up. We have five seconds. Everybody got to say anything to say. Uh, Three, two, that's one. That's panic. Stop. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. You need, uh, the, you need the IPF. You just need it. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be the priority. You, you're not fixing the long-term problems of the program without a facility. When PAPN goes on there and Godfrey and Johnson are on there saying, you know, we normally don't like talk about facilities. We think it's an excuse, blah, 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 blah. But USF, get your shit together, get a facility. That's the national guys talking. And that's because those guys are as plugged into coaching as anybody. Godfrey, we all know Godfrey and Willie are close. Shout out Jimmy Sexton. <laughs> Shout out Jimmy Sexton. But the... 
if those guys are saying that USF needs to get its shit together on facilities, USF needs to get its shit together on facilities. And that has got to be the priority. I know this isn't part of the uh, rundown, but to give it a, to give it a question, because I was, I was very curious about this. Um, Charlie mentioned in the press conference this week that there's talks of starting the indoor practice facility now. Mm -hmm. And Nate, I don't want to put you on the spot. Is, is, is there something that Charlie knows that we don't know. I mean, it's very likely. Um, I think Michael Kelly's goal when he first got here uh, was, okay, we're just going to build everything at once uh, because if we do it one at a time, there's going to be it's extra construction costs. Yep. Um, having to get the team back out, uh, the construction team back out twice instead of just having them out. Like there's added stuff um, to that where doing it all at once makes sense. Now here's where we may be changing. Uh, we're on a seven game losing streak facilities continues to be, uh, the plague on this, uh, athletics department. Correct. Uh, that they've raised just about over half of the money that they would need. Now, remember that's let's structure this correctly. And if we got to edit, we got to edit 20 million of a $40 million facility. Yes. But a lot of that is estate giving and estate giving you're allowed to use to build your facility. However, you have to bond against it to bond against it. And that's because basically what happens is if somebody writes you a $10 million insurance policy, you're allowed to say, I've raised $10 million for this facility. And you can take that to the USF foundation. They're going to say, great, here's $10 million. You're borrowing at 4% until that person dies. And when that person dies, then you don't have to pay that 4% anymore. That's how it works. So if you are raising $20 million, if you have 5 million of it in cash and the other 15 million is a 4% insurance policy. Okay. So you're going to borrow 15%, 15 million at 4%. That's $600,000 a year in debt service until those people pass away, which could be anywhere from two to two, 20 years from now. Some of these people are healthy, I assume. Then the other half of that, you have to bond against the other 20% or the other $20 million for the facility. You have to float another regular bond that would probably be publicly available um, and government rate. But then you have to pay that. And that's generally borrowed at another 4% or four and a half. So basically you're paying, you know, uh, your debt service is high. People think it's like, Oh, you paid for more than half the facility. And then, you know, you can pay the rest. And the other thing is, is because it's an indoor practice facility, the, it's not going to generate revenue. You know, you're going to get a couple of events in there. Your people are going to run it out. You might even find a couple of companies in town to do like a Christmas party there. Cause it'd be a really cool place to do like a corporate party or whatever. But the, the facility itself will not generate revenue. It'll recruit for you. It's got to happen for the future of this program. But generally when you build a facility, like when you redo the sun dome, you're going to get more concerts. You're going to get better stream revenue streams of basketball games. You're going to get all this guy. It's going to make you a little bit of money. This thing ain't making you shit, but you got to have it. So yep. that's just the, that's just where USF is right now. That's just facts on the ground. Um, so, but uh, to back to the point, um, I think because they're on a seven game losing streak, because it continues to be a hot button issue around this uh, area. And you know, how many practices did they have this fall that got canceled or moved around or they had, they went out stretched, had to go back inside, wait an hour, come back out, stretch and then go back inside and wait for another hour. Um, that's the key point. I think Charlie and the football team in general are kind of sick of doing that. So he, Jim may Levitt be, was sick of it 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, this Who's is that? who oh, yes. <laughs> weird guy. A, we fired him for him. It was a weird thing. Um, he's not coming back. Don't worry about it. Thank man. God. Um, 
so the so even if you have to separate the project out and it costs more money, that really effing sucks. But the indoor part of the facility is the cheaper of the two projects. Let's not forget that. So you can get that thing up and running for a pretty efficient number pretty quickly. And at least you're practicing indoors. You've got something to show recruits. You put a shovel in the ground sometime around, hopefully a little after signing day, maybe it probably won't be before signing day next year, but you're able to start. And then you can go into the summer flag football season, seven on sevens and show these kids. We got a shovel in the ground and what construction's happening right now. I remember Florida just got theirs too. Yeah. Like two years ago. The whole state has been like behind, way behind, way behind. Yeah. because yeah. they haven't had to put a lot of effort into recruiting for the most, for a long time. Sure. Mm-hmm. But some guys in my backyard, I can just go talk to them. And now I think we're the only school in the conference that doesn't have one. Is that right? I'm fairly certain. Yeah. And Florida state doesn't have one yet either. Do they? I think, yeah. I think do they, 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 they do. Do they yeah. just finish one? Yeah. Yeah. Florida, I think with Florida was less the big three. But yeah. here's the follow up rhetorical question that I think, uh, some people, I think it, it was a rhetorical question that people asked after the game, but, uh, prime examples, Evan Webster, the uh, three-star offensive tackle that committed to us after we got, frankly, thrashed by Wisconsin. What does the what is the coaching staff saying to these kids to get these guys to you know say no? I don't want to go to Florida State. No, I don't want to go to Iowa State. I don't want to go to Kentucky. I want to go to USF. Do you want to play? I, do you want to play early? Do you want to play early? Or do you not want to play? Did early? you watch Friday? <laughs> and do you want to play at home? You might be able to play early. But I, I think I think there's something to this on camp or this, this indoor practice facility. That's I think something, I think shovels are going to break down and, and, and start digging earlier than people. So you think they're, you think they're recruiting with it already? I think they're recruiting with it already. I think I, I am a hundred percent certain Kerwin Bell is showing those kids. Hey, you know, this, this is something that you're going to have for three years. Well, if you're going to bond on it, you better do it now before the, uh, we hit that recession. So yeah, for sure. Although that'll lower interest rates, so that might actually make things better. Um, Doctor Carell, please, please donate to the practice facility. Yeah, we need this thing's got to happen. We're not going to get anywhere with the program without it, and it needs to be in, and that shovel needs to be in the ground. You know, Mike Kelly said April twenty twenty. In Kelly, we trust. I I have no doubt. That I still like as as bad as Friday was, and it sucks to get fifty thousand people in the gym and look like shit, but. I still have never been more excited about the future of USF athletics because I think we're going to fix the fundamental flaws in this program that have existed since I've been around it. Donations are at an all time high right now. Okay. We are raising more money than we ever have. That is a huge, we're getting more community buy-in. We're do we're making smarter decisions in every single facet of the program. We're going to be fine. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, um, as long as the current staff continues to stay here and nothing like, no iceberg hits us from that we didn't see coming. We're going to be fine. It may not be this season. As we said before, I thought it was going to be a little closer to the season. Now I'm much more skeptical about that, but it's going to happen. We're, we're within the window of we're getting this shit fixed. Um, all right. So Ryan gave us two tickets to give away for the Georgia Tech game. What? We had eight people respond with eight correct answers. Now, this may not play out well on podcast but i got a random number generator on here that we use for text message per, for a contest you want to do it want to do that one sure i i have them numbered so that works so just uh one through eight okay. and we'll go from there Down one sec all right so they're one through eight yep congrats congratulations to number eight wow good job number eight i can confirm uh, 
Yeah, we got a confirmation yep. here. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Let I'm me take. Like, let I'm like three red stripes in right now. I can't read that. Let me take the picture. It's like okay. oh, there it's it is. There you go. Confirmed. Looks like a six from my angle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So congratulations, number eight, uh, Miles Lamaru at Miles. I know Miles. Lam- What's up, buddy? Oh, uh, he won. Rigged. I saw Miles at the uh, at the. Um, uh, uh, what's it called? The the Horns Up Rally at uh, Sparkman Wharf last week. Uh, he's a former athletic department employee too. Totally conflict of interest, but I swear he didn't cheat. Um, Congratulations! You get to sit with Colin and I when we talk uh, <laughs> talk drinks. Yeah, and so uh, uh, the two questions were: Who are the two characters in Outcast? The Art of Storytelling Part One: Susie Screw and Sasha Thumper. And then, um, sorry, Peru's calling me. That's weird. Uh, and then number two was: What was USF's record the day that album? Uh, the, on the day when the album with that song dropped, it was 3 and 0, 1998. So, congratulations. Um, appreciate everyone playing. And uh, so, we got some S. Peru, stop calling me. My lord. Um, we got some TD, uh, Ask TDS questions, um, but we kind of go over that. There's a couple that I don't even want to like get into, um, but there's one. Do you think there will be a heavier focus on the run game this week? I mean, Georgia Tech got gashed. I think if yeah, they weren't. Um, they like to play like that four two five. They said I listened. Uh, their defense coordinator spoke today, and they said they were playing kind of. They decided basically, okay, we're going to take away the pass, and so that that probably contributed a little bit to it. But they are playing. Um, they're playing that four two five. The end to the boundary is like a stand up guy, and he weighs like two hundred and forty pounds. So it's like a quicker guy. And they put some true freshmen there as well. Um, I think they rotated a bunch of dudes on defense, so fatigue probably won't be an issue. But they're not they're not quite as they're not big like Wisconsin was. So um, I'd imagine, like I said last week, I think Kerwin wants to be balanced. Um, in my experience with him in the past, and just watching him. He's always been a pretty balanced guy, you know. I think they ran for over 2,000 yards last year about Austin State or something like that. So he's not a guy that wants to just throw air it out every play. So when I'd I, imagine if they have success, they're going to try to run the ball more. When Nate and I talked to Kerwin uh, earlier this season, the guy that he said really jumped out at him was Ford. So I think getting Ford back just opens up so much more of what he wants to do. And I think Georgia Tech will play man-to-man. I mean, they, they weren't afraid to play man-to-man outside against Clemson. They got oh, then you're on. playing man-to-man against USF. <laughs> they won't be playing man-to-man. So uh, Kerwin said today, Johnny Ford is his best guy against man-to-man coverage. So mm-hmm. having him back will help a lot. Can St. Felix win one-on-one? I guess is going to be another big question because you're going to need to have that deep threat, somebody you can yeah. go long from the stretch. So he'll, I mean, he'll have his chances. I think they're going to – They the the coordinator talked about today um, and maybe yesterday or today, but um, I watched him kind of today, that they think – USF, their best thing is them running the ball. They think that's going to be their most effective thing, so that's what they're going to try to stop. And they're not afraid to come up and play man coverage on the outside. They did a lot last week. He said that's kind of the traditionally how they play. That's what they did last year at Temple. So I think outside a lot, you're going to see a lot of man coverage. So if those guys can win, then you can really generate some big plays in the passing game. Uh, but you got to win one-on-one. So. Uh, there was a question as well. Um Asking about how the DB play, and I mean, we were we talked about it um, in the fa- Facebook Live. We talked about it in the press box. It just it never seemed like USF's defense kind of was in sync on what they wanted to do. There was never. I know you're trying to, you know, keep them guessing, but yeah. the they would, you know, 
play up and then bail out on like third and eight and then get 12 yards. There was one, like, there was one what are particular we doing play because I went back and watched it because I was trying to figure out what I was going to try to write about about the game. So I went, well, I watched Jonathan Taylor's first touchdown and we talked about man, I think they should have played a lot more main coverage. But then you go watch this play and what Wisconsin did is they, they ran outside zone with the fullback leading, which they do a lot, but then they brought the USF was playing main coverage. They brought the receiver inside and had him come crack the safety. Well, we, we just we, watched we that just play. Talked about it. We were just, just that watching too. that play before you came in. The, the corner, <laughs> yeah. so, so the corner runs with the man coverage. So you're effectively blocking two guys with that. So it's right. just, it's so hard. They're so hard to play defense again. Oh, I literally, I literally said that. I said, Devin said still, I mean, he, he he's coming he, up to fit he, perfectly. Yeah, he and it just gets him. popped. Yeah, and oh then I think it was Sales is right on the receiver's hip doing yep. his job because they're playing man, and Taylor just bounces outside. Yeah, no, by was, the time Sales realized what happened, Taylor's gone. Yeah, it, it was so it was it's, clinical. <laughs> I don't know. It's they are really hard to play defense, especially if you can just let them run the ball um, because you they're up points. So I, I don't know how to think about really what to think about the defensive backs. I thought when they were downfield one on one, they seemed to do pretty well. I know Hampson was right in. Uh, Cephas's hips a few times. I mean, what do you, what do you, so I, you and I kind of sat with, um, Kirk Livingstone and, um, Patrick Macon after the game for their yeah. interviews. And both of them kind of said the same thing. Both of them thought that the defense played well, but there was communication issues pretty much across the board. Yeah. You know, there were, there were times that, um, you know, they were, they were hitting the wrong gaps. There were times that, you know, things were there, but I mean, communication issues kind of happen a lot during week one. And there was just, yeah. And there was just like some misfits, like the safety comes up. We talked about a thing on the Facebook Live after the safety comes up and blows up the lead blocker on a jet sweep, but he blow he goes through his inside shoulder and lets the jet sweep bounce outside for five yards. When if he runs through his outside shoulder, he's making a tackle for like a five or six yard loss. When I, I was thinking that after the game, maybe it'd be like one yard loss. It'd be like a five or six yard loss. Yeah. So just little things like that. There's a ten yard difference right there, just because I didn't fit correctly. Yeah. No, and I, I, again, I, I think we harped on enough. I mean, any other team besides Wisconsin. I mean, defense plays spectacularly. You know, they were they were filling gaps even with the lack of communication. And then we get, and then uh, the offense gave uh, the defense some terrible bad field position, field position yeah. too. And um, they didn't particularly. The first punt was great, but then after that, it was, they didn't particularly punt the ball well either. And oh, so I, left field position. They were just on behind the eight ball the whole game. It seemed like. And to do that, like, what's the biggest difference between P five and G five is always depth. Mm-hmm. So if you're leaving that team out on the field, like. Wisconsin can come at you in waves. Most P5 teams can come at, especially a team like that can come at you in waves. USF's usually going to have a front 22 that can play a little, and then they're going to have depth problems. Yeah. And Wisconsin like brings in a 300 pound third string tight end. Right. I mean, just like good luck. I mean, seriously, I have, I have a picture of Greg Reeves lined up against like he, he's lined up on defensive end outside the, the tight end. Who's that's not even, that was their, you know, number two tight end. The dude still like looks bigger than Greg Reeves, yeah. and he's the number two tight end. Like that's Jeez. that's absolutely ridiculous at Wisconsin. Yeah, but they were monstrous. To to talk about special teams for a second, because this didn't this didn't get the the publicity that I thought I was going to get. Um, Spencer Schrader's, and I'm saying Spencer Schrader's name in particular here. His decision to run it on that fourth down and four. Oh boy! Oh boy! Um, he paid for he paid yeah, for his decision. I mean, I mean. People were trying to get Charlie Strong fired for that decision. That that wasn't even Justin Burke's decision. On well, that. that was a lot of most teams when they run that rugby punt. Yeah, no, if, they, if the def, they give the guy the option, if they don't force the punt, because every punt block team has sent in a guy to force it, and if you don't, that's when the fakes happen. Yeah, so they probably told him, "Hey, if nobody forces, you can you can keep it." But and, now he's not thinking down in this. You know, it's maybe on fourth and one. 
or fourth and two. Fourth and four is a little dicey. Yeah. And then, oh, he, I mean, he paid for it. He, he paid smoked for it. on the side. <laughs> I, I, I looked up who tackled him. I mean, that's, that's, that was a Wisconsin wide receiver that tackled him. That was a fast. <laughs> God damn, man. He got fucked up by he, a wide receiver. It was wide open for about 10 yards. Well, of his I mean, run. you can see what he saw, but. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, well, as soon as he came to the side, I could see the special teams coach like talking to him, like, all right, uh, probably not the time to do that. <laughs> so I, I didn't think it was called just from seeing that. Yeah. And then, uh, Coach Strong confirmed it after the game. That's oh, it was people were like, I can't believe Charlie Strong called a fourth and no, four, you know, not. fake punt. I was like, he, there's no, I mean, some dicey decisions happened, but there's no way he called. So he's like, we couldn't get fourth and one running the ball. Why don't we fake punt on fourth, fourth and four? four. <laughs> yeah, which after after that, that, I mean, that's a fair, that's a fair that statement. Sense, yeah. Um, so that was that was yeah, that was rough. Um. Real quickly, let's see what we got. Um, oh, hashtag, we're going to, let's do, let's do this. Uh, before we get to our predictions. Basketball school. Basketball, basketball school. school. I think basketball school. We are a basketball school now. Woo! Two. We got two because we got a women's team that's going to win a conference championship in 2021, motherfucker. Woo! Lord. Yikes. <laughs> we have not won a conference been championship waiting for this for so long. We have not won a conference championship in baseball, men's or women's basketball or football since 1995. Fuck you. I'm excited. We're going to win this thing. It's insane that we haven't already. Let's fucking go. Um, so if you I guys wasn't alive at that time, just watch out for trash. Jesus zone. Christ. I hate you so much, Steve. <laughs> um, so if you guys haven't heard, some huge news came down. I think it was Sunday. Was it Sunday? Yeah, it was Sunday. Yep. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Shout uh, out to, uh, to uh, Bulls Rival for that, by the way. I uh, was just going through Twitter, and that just happened to be at the top of my feed, and I had to do at least four looks at it because they've been tweeting about potential guys for a while. Um, and then I saw the word commit, and then I saw the word four-star. And I my first instinct was, oh, okay, we got another person. We got another girl for women's basketball. And then I saw the name. And I was like, that's a really weird name for a girl. <laughs> and then I saw shooting guard and I was like, oh man, we did not just get a four star shooting guard on. Every yes, basketball we did. Team. Woo! Yeah. So uh, Brian Gregory works his magic uh, and snags a uh, four star uh, shooting guard, Caleb Murphy from uh, Grayson, Georgia. Uh, dudes had some success pulling guys from Georgia. I believe Michael Durr is from Georgia. If, if my memory serves, um, this is a huge get. Uh, right now, Caleb Murphy is the fourth highest rated commit in USF history since uh, 24-7 Sports has been ranking players. John Igbunu. Pretty good. And then two other guys I had literally never heard of. <laughs> what are the names? Uh, let's see. Um, Konimba. Uh, Diara. Diara. Okay. Dante Curry. Dante Curry sucked. <laughs> <laughs> those were the, those. those so were the two it was John and Kunim uh, Diara was a body. Like he wasn't. No, that's terrible. Grading. Those are that. That's one, two, three. Um, You're gonna kill the buzz. Okay, so this kid, yeah. <laughs> Look, the fact that we're even recruiting at these levels again, and this is all pre BB Altron, Charlie Bradley. Lee Rose recruits because those guys got some guys in there. Doug this Applin, is, Fred Lewis, those guys. Yeah, like this is all. So when, when did we? When did these grades start? I mean, 
I think like 05. Okay. So oh four maybe. That's fantastic. And look, I I'm so excited for the like we're gonna have two good basketball teams this year. I although I said we we're gonna have a good football team too. So maybe don't listen to me. But <laughs> I know basketball better than I know football. Um and I could not I, I'm just I'm telling you, the Sundome, if you want to watch winning basketball this year, it's gonna be two really good basketball. Yingling teams. Center. Yeah. Like it's gonna be Staples Center and Yingling Center are going to be the two buildings with the best home winning percentage in the country. I'm sorry. Uh, the Lakers play at Staples. Or- yeah, they're going to be good. Okay, Batman. God damn it. Okay. LeBron and AD, are you crazy? Have you seen their teammates? I'm a Lakers fan. Have you seen their teammates? Takes more than two people to win the games, bro. No, no, I really didn't. Not in the regular season. No, I promise it does. Not in the regular season. Uh, Clippers, however. So this is rival, like a little bit of rival scouting report on um, Caleb Murphy. His jump shot remains a work in progress, but he's also going to be a senior this year. So that kind of tends to be. But this is the most Gregory ass player I've ever heard in my entire life. His defensive prowess, energy levels, and intangibles should make him one a day one producer for Brian Gregory's squad. And you know what? Normally I hear that shit and I go, oh, that means kid can't play a fucking lick. Oh, he tries real hard and all that. No, no, no. No, no, no. With this team, they get the benefit of the doubt now because they get all these guys that try real hard and all that shit. And you know what? They try real hard and they're fucking good. David Collins tries real hard and he's fucking good. And that has not always been the case with, you You know, oh, you know, he's a real water bug. Gym rat. Da, 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 da. You know what that means? Trash. He can't brings, play defense. He brings his lunch pail to work every day. Yeah. Brings his lunch pail. Can't play a lick. Blue collar. These kids Blue can color. play. So they get this team gets the benefit of the doubt on that stuff. And then Jose brought in like 900 kids who have like a four TOEFL score, uh, a 6.8 GPA will all graduate with a thousand APR um, and will can all shoot the ball from like half court because that's what we do. Let's go. I mean, let's freaking go. By the way, I did. I don't think I've told you guys this. Or I did. I, I put it in Slack. Uh, I booked. I'm going to Vegas with this team. I already paid for the hotel. I'm going with them. Women's basketball is playing in Vegas on my birthday for that tournament. Rising fire. I got a suite at the Cosmo. All y'all will make the trip. Come on out. I'll load up bottles. Come on. Let's go. We're going to do this right. One of something absolutely terrifying about that. By the go. time that Caleb Murphy would not about you go to Vegas, but sure. Well, that's terrifying <laughs> too. About, about basketball team. <laughs> I mean, you can look at the rest of the conference. Yeah. But I mean, realistically, when Caleb Murphy comes in and plays and he's going to, like he said, he's going to be a day one starter. We're realistically losing, you know, LaQuincy Rudu, who's, you know, heart and heart and soul, heart and all soul that team. stuff. Great kid. And Anton Marikovich. And that's realistically it. Okay. That's that. I mean, that which means you're competitive loaded. for not just this season, but the season after. That I mean, this, well. this season is still going to be really, really competitive. Yes. Thing, you know, you can talk about Memphis getting six, five stars and all that shit, but they're freshmen still, you know, they're going to make the mistakes and they graduated quite a bit from last year. You know, this, this is a team that, can play eight, to, nine deep. Yeah. They're going to shock some people and by God, they're going to murder UCF. Both, of, both of those games. Wouldn't it be just God? They're going to hold on, murder hold on, both of them. Hold on. Let me, hold on. Let me, let me cover up my nipples before they, they're going to get hard yeah, and peek through right. my shirt. Why, off the rails. why, why don't we play UConn in the a final AAC final in Fort Worth this year in the conference tournament and blow their fucking doors off on the way out the door with two middle fingers in the air. (laughs) Let's fucking go. You know what Memphis did to us in 2005 in the conference tournament? 
We get to the semis. We beat Bob Huggins in his last CUSA game. We get to the semis with Terrence Leather playing the game of his life and Marlon Bryant and Brian Swift. And those kids went out there and grinded their ass off. And you know what happened the next night? They played Memphis at home and Memphis was staying in Conference USA and we were leaving. And the fouls at halftime were, I think, 10 to 1. Okay. 10 fouls on USF and one foul on Memphis. You know why? Because you're not getting a fucking call when you're leaving the league. Hey, UConn, you're not getting a fucking call this year when you're leaving the league. Let's fucking go. Let's beat UConn's ass in this tournament. Let's send them home. Let's win a goddamn conference tournament. Do I sound fired up? I'm ready. To go. A, little, a little fired up. Uh, real quick, Georgia Tech predictions. We'll start with uh, Vito. Uh, hey, Peter, I, how I, you I don't know, man. Um, I, I'm going to keep my little uh, hope of optimism here that everyone's fired up during practice. Everyone's upset. Kerwin Bell took responsibility. Uh, maybe it still takes a little bit longer to roll. Let me say 31-28 USF last minute drive scores it. Seth. No, 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 no. I'm going to jump in for Seth because Seth told us before you got here. Seth's like, I don't like making predictions on air, which I completely agree with. And by the way, this is all completely hacked, terrible oh, podcast. This is horrible. You like, think we know we're, we're, think we're professionals. No, no, but Seth wasn't. I don't think Seth was aware that we know, like, we're doing this ironically because we know that this is like terrible podcasting and we're using incomplete information and we're doing things that, like, what's that guy who runs all the shows? Um, like, um, Drew Carey. No, the guy who runs, like, uh, Pardon the Interruption and uh, Highly question something uh yeah that guy he runs like all the afternoon block on espn and they do like fake debate and they know it's fake debate we are aware this is fake debate we all know this is complete and utter what? bullshit oh yeah this is terrible so seth just so you know we know this is stupid but make make it up anyway it's good content you were right you're you're one to know yep <laughs> under 27 pass attempts and wisconsin will win and they threw 26 times that is a win it Laid didn't on happen a exactly <laughs> it didn't happen exactly how i thought it would be you know i thought it was going to be like you know you make them pass you know for business they were passing more for pleasure <laughs> at the end of the game so so it didn't didn't quite work out the way i thought but i'm gonna say uh this game goes under was that over 60? 65 and a half, I think. 61 and a half was the... 61? That right 61 and a half. Let's say under, and since I'll, I'll be a homer, let's go 24-21 uh, US. Colin. Steve goes first because I'm checking that line. Um, God, I was so goddamn wrong last week. Man, I said 48-42. Uh, I, I shot it to, to Bucky's fifth quarter. Uh, they, were, they were funny about it. They were like, there's no goddamn way. And I was like, there is no goddamn way, but... I want to be funny with it. So uh, let's go on the opposite end of the spectrum. Uh, three nothing. Georgia Tech. <laughs> I think I think that's some record ass shit. I think uh, Georgia Tech's absolute unit of a punter. I mean, man, between him and Trent Schneider, we got a punting duel going down. You know, that, that's about like 500 pounds of pure mass between those two punters all day. 47 yards of boot. Mm, give it to me. Uh, I'm still checking that total. Um, I'll take uh, 45 nothing Georgia Tech. You don't believe that. But Reverse jinxes. Is that what you guys I'm think? decent at it. It's true. I'm just really bad Fair at predicting commentary. Shit. 45 there, nothing there, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Georgia scoring 45 points in three games. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even against our defense. It's also Jeff Collins, and for whatever reason, Jeff Collins has USS uh, number in his back pocket. 45 nothing Tech. Let's go. Buzz so buzz, baby. here's what I'm going to predict. Um, I'm going to predict that we're going to get in Friday night. And I checked today with the Alumni Association. 
uh, somehow in some way. You weren't actually checking the scores. You were looking for for places to drink, were you? <laughs> well, we're going to get to that. Um, the the alumni association told me today that the pregame tailgate is still sold out. And that's awesome because that means that there are still plenty of USF fans making this trip despite getting their heads knocked off last Friday night. Flights are a bit of a pain. <laughs> Dude, if you can't get a refund on a Southwest flight or a Delta flight from Atlanta to Tampa, what your problem? Especially when a hurricane was coming in. Right. They and offered that shit right off the bat. Uh, so I'm going to say that, that that's a really good sign for the future of this program is that we're at the point now where that kind of stuff happens. Um, we're moving forward. I got six is the total, but I don't have a, I don't have a total. Um, so I think, uh, there's going to be an event Friday night from the alumni association at five o'clock. I forget the name of the location. I think at between seven 30 and eight o'clock, eight o'clock, we'll be there by eight. Um, we're going to be at Das beer garden, which is right across the street from the alumni association. This is the event. weirdest prediction I've ever heard. It really is. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm going to get it in. It's going to predict his blood alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm going to get one of those little blow things. Um, I think we're going to, we're going to have an event at Das beer garden, um, across the street from the alumni association event. There's going to be like an hour gap between the two, but that's okay. Um, Steve and I are going to be there. We got the recorder. It's got batteries. We're going to try and fire up a podcast as best as we can. We're going to grab whomever we can get uh, to just give those of you who can't make the trip a little bit of fuel, what it's going to feel like on the road the night before the game. Um, I, I'm so excited that USF is going to travel well to this game because if we're going to build a culture, if we're going to build the culture that this program needs to get to the next level, I don't care if we're 10 and two or two and 10, you got to show up and we got to put people on the road and and build this thing that way because those people that make that trip this weekend, that's the basis and the future of the program. It's a pyramid and you need the people at the bottom that show up for Wisconsin and pay for a $20 ticket. And that's how you sell 50,000 ticket. What was the, what was the announced? 48706. Okay. 46704. I was close enough. I I totally did. When you said that, I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. Right. Sell it. But that's a little dyslexic. I'm sorry. So that 46 and change, by the way, that's pretty close to a legit number. Like that, not a lot of bullshit in there. Um, yeah, oh shit. Did we ever get the actual? We, because remember they changed the ticketing. Did, so now you, you can get it, but you have to put in for it and you got to wait like three days. Oh, so we'll get it at some point, but that number that the actual is going to be over 40. I can tell you that. And that counts the suites too. Remember everyone freaks out about that. There's a lot of people that are, you know, in the suites, especially when it's hot and especially when you're getting your ass kicked, it's fine. Um, but the, we're going to build that culture with that pyramid and the middle to high part of that pyramid that we're going to build is people that make these road trips that are still going to go to Navy this year that are going to be a part of this program in the long run. That's what we need to do. We need Dave Chappelle's wrap it up button. My Lord. Let me start clapping. Right. <laughs> um, Play the music. So Mike. <laughs> anyway, uh, as far as the what's game, your prediction? My I want, God! I want, I want Twenty-five Tech minutes score. later, I my God! This is how he softens a blow <laughs> picking Georgia. Totally forgot <laughs> that's where this started. I don't know if you can fix what needs to get fixed in six days. So go Bows. Uh, yeah, go Hawaii. Um, go Cole McDonald. Go Cordero. Um, Pick. Oh my God! <sighs> Georgia Tech thirty-one. USF twenty-three. Jesus Christ, that was painful. I mean, I just, I look, I can't, I, I'm really trying to like soften the blow and say that I'm excited about yeah. the future. I am excited about the future, but like, 
that offensive right line, that offensive line is offensive. They're just not good enough to compete. And I don't care if George Tech's in transition. Yep. Um, all right. So soccer news. Yeah. Real quick. Uh, so women, women's soccer's Ohio state game got canceled on Sunday because Ohio state got the hell out of there. Uh, Cause I played, I th- they played UCF on Friday night and they just left after the game. Yep. First day of Friday night, they left right after the game just in case, uh, Shit went down with Dorian. Um, uh, men's soccer plays Marquette on Friday. Women's soccer, soccer plays, plays in Texas for the plays, next three days. They play uh, Rice and UTSA. Right? Yep. yep. Uh, Friday and Sunday. Um, so yeah. So go check out the men's game Friday night. Um, if you're in, if you're in town, not heading up to uh, Atlanta. They played Ohio State tough. They uh, they they might have a, a pretty decent year. They got quite a quite an uphill battle, but yeah. Um, so we'll we'll see where that where that season takes us. Um, want to thank, uh, Jamie for coming on and, uh, appreciate, uh, Seth for breaking it down and kind of being the, the voice of reason as I called him, uh, when his story posted earlier this week and be sure to check out his story coming out later this week, uh, about Georgia tech. You'll learn something. I promise every single time I read it, I do. Um, God, that, I mean, I appreciate uh, Matrix Hormones for being a, uh, the sponsor of the podcast. Matrix Hormones, 813-333-2226. Again, Matrix Hormones, 813-333-2226. Um, if you're just tired, if you're dragging, if you don't have the energy that you used to, let these guys come in, um, give you a look, look-see. Um, they'll check your blood. They'll make sure that you have the things in the proportion that they need to be um, helps with burnout fatigue just to get your vitality back and to feel better. This is a natural process that sometimes you don't feel like you do when you start to get a little bit older, this can help bring you back to what it was. And these are great bulls fans that support this team and support this program and support us as well. So give them a shot. Can they fix USF football? Uh, Not legally, because I think the stuff they give you is actually some of it's going to be on the band list. So I don't think they have the, they can do some things. Viagra. Yeah. (laughs) No, we got to get them in front of the baseball team. (laughs) But again, 813-333-2226. Again, that's matrix hormones. 813-333-2226. Three field goals, three safeties, one touchdown. All right. Uh, go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Oh, go Bulls. Am I the, um... Jesus, man. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm more uh, impartial. <laughs> go Bulls.